everyone, welcome to Bookversations. We're your hosts, Sayed, and I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. Hey everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Bookversations. Today's conversation is inspired by Camilla Shams' novel, Home Fire. Home Fire is a reworking of Antigone, a tragic Greek play written by Sophocles. Set in contemporary London, Home Fire is the tale of two British families who are intertwined by faith. Dealing with issues of faith, terrorism and love, Home Fire explores what it means to be loyal to a state. So before we get on to our general thoughts about the book, we're going to explain the plot line for this book. Now, of course, there's going to be spoilers, but it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the book. But if we don't explain it, we can't have a conversation about it. Well, not intense spoilers. It's just like tiny spoilers. Explaining the plot. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Right. right, Okay. So I would say basic structure. The book has eight chapters and follows two families. One family is of a girl. Her name is Isma. And she has two siblings. They're twins. And a girl and a boy. One of them is Anika and one of them is Parve. So we start off following Esma and she's about to go to, or actually she's on her way to the States to start a PhD and she gets two chapters. The second family, the story actually follows is the family of the Home Secretary in the story of the UK, whose name is Paramount Lone. And somehow Esma bumps into his son in the United States. And so the next two chapters follow Iman. Fifth and sixth chapters follow the brother of Isma, whose name is Parves. Yeah. And then the seventh chapter follows this one, the twin sister of Parves, Anika. And the last chapter follows the life of Karamat Lone. And um, that's kind of structure-wise. You want to explain more about like context? Yeah. So in terms of the plot, at the heart of it is what happens when the life of a home secretary interacts with a family who two family members have gone to fight jihad and i don't know i'm not going to use that word i've gone to fought as part of like i've been recruited thank you that's the phrase because i i don't want to use on jihad because what they're doing is not jihad i'm not going to use that phrase but yes they've been recruited by terrorists and so what this novel explores how that how that interaction manifests wait you already mentioned that Iman and Isma meet each other in the United States yes. um in doing so their their lives are further intertwined because Iman and her sister are together and through that we know that their young um her twin brother has gone to Syria to fight it explores what the repercussion for that is on both of their families the family mm-hmm. the life of Karamat Lone the MP and the lives of Isma and her and her family in terms of dealing with being from a family where two of their family members have gone to fight. So yeah, two that's the basic summary of the dad. plot. Their dad, their father, and their younger brother. So yeah, that's the basic explanation of the plot. So let's go on to our thoughts about the book in general. I have mixed feelings about the book for a few reasons. So I thought, the, I think actually some of my mixed feelings stem from personal, I don't want to use the word beef, but just personal discomfort <laughs> in just some of the ways that some things are portrayed. Um, and I think that also just ties to the fact that I'm Muslim. And I mean, we're going to talk about this later, how we, the yeah. kind of expectations we bring to books, but I think that my, some of my discomfort stems from that. Anyways, I have mixed feelings for a few reasons. So I think generally the writing was really good. I also felt like the storytelling was quite good. Okay. Um, I didn't feel like there was any, or the character development I felt was really limited. And it's because we, we get five characters who we see into their heads. And 
I really liked Isma's character to an extent, but we see her chapter one, chapter two, then she pops up in chapter seven briefly, and that's that, right? And we don't really get to see how these things affect her. I mean, there's a scene where something really difficult happens, or when her sister says something really unexpected, I guess, yeah. um, when she finds out something. But like, I would have expected to see a bit more of how that affects her because throughout the story of Isma, her sister or well, her siblings were her life, right? Well, her life, mm. she's had to raise them. Um, so I would have expected to see a bit more of that. Um, and there were some people whose POV I thought could have been cut down, like Iman got two chapters, and I, I felt like one of those chapters. For no yeah, same, because we actually nothing happened with Iman. Well, in my opinion, nothing substantial happened. No, no, yeah, so minus that. But then that didn't, it didn't, I didn't need two chapters. We got pages of him walking from his house. We got pages of him walking from his house to go deliver M&Ms. So it's like, why did I need this? I suppose it was supposed to be reminiscent of him kind of like thinking it was like um, him examining his British identity through his environment. But yeah, I agree. It wasn't necessary. I get that, but I just felt like we could have dedicated those pages to other people who had more. I liked that we got to see Parve's point of view because it shows you, first of all, the effect of the lack of a father. I mean, you get that with actually, especially with the twins, the lack of a fatherly presence in a home, the effect it has, and especially on the sons, um, and how much he was looking for a father figure. And you see that when he was recruited to go to Syria to go fight, right? His heart wasn't in the cause, but you only see that from seeing his part of the story because you never get to see that part of the story. It was more, I'm going to see my father or I'm going to hear about my father and know about like why he got to the point that he got to. Um, and that's how you prey on people, right? Um, and you could see how the guy who was grooming him actually fed him lies, which to yeah. be honest, even up until the point where his life turned out the way it did, I still felt like he didn't believe strongly in what they were doing, basically. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. And it's just, I love that we got to see that perspective, basically. Yeah. My favorite perspective, not character, but perspective, was Karamat Lone's perspective. And I especially loved the end because when I read the end, I just immediately pictured what he would have, how his life would have flashed in front of his face when he saw what was happening because he was watching it on the screen, wasn't he? Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is such, it was just the right ending for the story, basically. For the book. It was an ambivalent yeah. ending, but it was necessary the way that it was written. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of knew what was going to happen, though. So. Exactly. To be honest, it felt a bit like an Hollywood film at some point. Especially yeah. when, when, I'm sorry, but the minute, the minute Anika <laughs> got with Iman, I knew what that girl's endgame was. And, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You yeah. could sweat it from my mile off. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree with a no, lot of your opinion. I had beef with all of that stuff, but anyway, just general. <sighs> we'll thing. get into okay. it. Go yeah, on. no, I agree with a lot of your thoughts about the opinion. I think I really like the fact that the story was told through different perspectives, but I agree mm-hmm. that for some of the characters, their stories couldn't have been fleshed out a lot more because we we got to spend so much time with other characters but mm-hmm. for me I think the most notable part of this book was actually the first chapter because I remember when I opened it and I was like oh Bro. my god this captured so well what it means to be Muslim and especially like the anxiety and fear that we have in the way that our identity is being criminalized like Islam isn't mm-hmm. just Islam in our current society doesn't exist in the way that other religions do our religion mm-hmm. has been politicized and criminalized to such an extent that we have to go through so many experiences that are invasive and dehumanizing that are now considered mm-hmm. normal post 9 11 
and that just makes me yeah. sad so I wanted to read an extract um, because I think it sets the tone for what happens in the rest of the book so the beginning chapter is of the older sister Isma who's traveling to the United States to do her PhD mm-hmm. and so as she's traveling in the airport of course she gets interrogated and this is this is the extract do you consider yourself British the man said I am British but do you consider yourself British you wanted to know her thoughts on Shias, homosexuals, the Queen, democracy, the Great British Bake Off, the invasion of Iraq, Israel, suicide bombers, dating websites. And there were other extras that I could have read because this isn't just the only part about the interrogation. But I just felt like when I opened the book and I read that, it sets the tone for what happens in the rest of the book in terms of how Muslim identity is explored through the lens of terrorism. And especially with a character who is, Muslim in name only to some extent and he's now home secretary and the conflict that ha- that can happen when you occupy that kind of position mm-hmm. where you can't be seen to be associated too much with your people <laughs> and to be honest I feel like even if he was not in that position he would have shed his Islamic character anyway um, but That's yeah that was just he is. he's always wanted to be he's, I think he's he's a people pleaser he's just one of those people who have to adapt but not it's not really adapting it's just to be accepted by the people is the word like he's just one of those people who has to be accepted he's just seeking validation he was yeah a little pfa looking yeah go on i just feel like people who start off like that particularly for muslims whether young or old who get into politics if you're already a wishy-washy character before you get into it i'm sure it's going to be so easy it's going to get worse for, you, for your character to get diluted i i you've got to figure out for yourself what do you stand for Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. this idea of integration a lot of it is about understanding that people won't be satisfied until you stripped everything about your islamic values and a lot of it is not integration they just want you to just assimilate and melt into their culture it's not integration as you can be who you are and still be in the zone they don't want so Kamat Lone's character was definitely fascinating. I think that's one of the that's one of the reasons that I would I think it was really well done. It was really it was well done. And can I just say how kudos to her for predicting one of our home secretaries who shall not be named. But when we get onto Shamima Begum, it's very obvious who I'm talking about because bang on point. I was reading this book and I was like, the similarities between this is very interesting. And this book was written before this person ascended to home secretary. So. I, I think someone in his circle needs to send it to him. But we'll get onto that. But overall, overall, I think the book does a great job at building suspense. And I read it again, just for book conversation. So I think it's a, it's a book that you can revisit continuously. Depending on what your taste is. I mean... I know so I, I, know so I, I disagree. Would, so. No, no, no. It's not that. I was going to say, I, I, I could see myself reading it again. But I would need a significant break to in between fascinating cool let's get on to the conversations that we are going to table or the conversations that this book has inspired so the first one is do we place too much of an expectation on authors when they write about muslim characters and do they have to be balanced in their portrayal of islam so let me set the scene the reason why this book of conversations is because when slide was reading this reading this book there was a lot of messages (laughs) About her her frustration with the way, because essentially this book is about Muslim characters, right? So Mm -hmm. tell me about some of your frustrations when you were reading the book. The thing is, in terms of, I think I should should talk about balance first. I think in terms of balance, I don't think about it just for the portrayal of Islam. I think about balance a lot when I read anything. 
And, yeah. and when you think about that, when it comes to rights, I think I've having this conversation with you already, you always have antagonist and protagonist. You always have the person who doesn't believe in this thing so strongly and that person who believes. And the character either moves to, from like indifference to complete disbelief, but there's always a movement, right? There's a, there's a shift. And I wanted to see a tiny bit of that shift. Some of the beef, ugh, beef I had with the book was I just, I mean, I, okay, I get it. It's just her personal experience, but there was like, for example, at the start of the book, there's a part where um, Iman is holding, what's her name's bag? Isma's bag. And he wants to, she reaches out her hand to shake his hand, but he places the bag on her hand. And then in her head, she thinks, oh, as if he's not shook, he's given, he's put the bag in her hand because he's assumed that Muslim women don't shake hands. Now, I yeah. know that there are Muslim women who shake hands, shake hands, right? I know yeah. that. And I know that there are people who don't think it's a big deal. I know that. However, I think because for me personally, the default is if this if physical interaction is not allowed, then I personally don't shake hands. But yeah. I think also it just it's a bit of PTSD for me. I've had people who would give me, especially Muslim guys, who would talk to me a certain way or say something to me that's not very kind when they find that I don't shake hands. I remember one time in the gym, I was at the gym with one of my friends, and some guy came up to us and he shook her hand. He's Muslim, right? Shakes, shakes her hand, tried to shake mine, and I was like, I don't shake hands. And then he just he says, Oh, you're like you're one of them. And I'm like, oh God. and like, I would like that if I did shake, like shake hands, I would like to be the one who initiates it. Yeah. Um, than, than the Muslim guy. Like it, it asks me a lot more when Muslim guys do this. So when he did, like when he put the bag on her hand, I thought, okay, maybe he just didn't want to make her uncomfortable. But then when I read the line where she was then saying as if Muslim women don't shake hands, I was like, oh God, because this is a very... I don't know what the word. But that's is. your personal reading. But that's it? what I said. I said my exactly. discomfort <laughs> comes from personal reasons. But then a lot of my discomfort with so in general, is... hold on. In general, oh. would you say some of the reasons why you had frustrations with the book is about the way that you wanted like Islam to be portrayed? I wouldn't say it's the way I wanted Islam to be portrayed. I would say that so, for example, because the thing is, there's there's Islam, right, and then there's Muslims. And yeah. so, for example, one thing that acts, maybe not acts, but bothered me was there's not one single, okay, maybe Isma, but there was no one single character who didn't, who, who had faith in that sense. Like, they'd all, they'd all given up. And I think what I wanted wasn't just the portrayal of Islam, but what I just wanted was a bit of hope. And I, I don't think I got that from any of the characters. And maybe it's just me looking for hope in characters. And it's supposed to be a sad, dark story, but I just was looking like even when she what's her name Esma so there was a scene where Esma um would normally so she's doing a prayer that she normally does when she feels sad right um Mm. and she like she's doing this prayer but she doesn't feel the comfort that she normally feels and she's longing for Iman and I think maybe what pissed me off was that yes I get it maybe religion because you always have your ups and downs when it comes to faith right I think maybe what pissed me off was just the fact that every single one of them, when they were not not seeking religion, or when they would make a, when she would make a reference to somebody not seeking religion anymore, they were seeking comfort in a man. And I was just thinking, men are not even that great, man. It's not that deep. Right. So maybe it's my okay. personal beef with men. I, <laughs> That's why I don't think it's your personal beef. I get where you're coming from, but I I'm on the completely different end of this table because for I me, I feel like when it comes to fiction, my my question is, does the writing or does the character serve the story? And I think for me, because of the kind of story that they're writing, this is Bangor realistic. Yes, no, it doesn't, course. it doesn't, yeah. hold on. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it doesn't of accord course. with our kind of like 
knowledge or perception of Islam. But I feel like in the moments that you're describing, if she had written them dif- differently, it would have taken away from the authenticity of the story to some extent. No, but I did, I, there was a specific... And I'll give you an example of a scene that annoyed me. It annoyed me, but I'm like, it was necessary. So give me an example of the scene. Esma taking off her hijab for Iman. Okay, yeah. I was that's like, why I was girl, what are you doing? You. That's what I was about to tell you. And let me tell you why I didn't think it was necessary for the story, even though you think it's necessary for the story. Yep. So her teacher, professor, whatever, advisor tells her to consider taking... First of all, I was like, what the hell is the phrase considered Consider the hijab? That's what she says, right? So one of the things that bugged me is, first of all, her and Iman have only been, how long have they known each other for? At this maybe point, maybe a couple, couple of weeks. weeks, whatever, a couple of weeks, a couple of days, whatever, right? And because of the fact that throughout, the, we only meet Isma for two chapters, right? However, throughout the story, she had been put to us as a principled person. And it didn't sit well, sit well with me that she took off her hijab just because of the way that the character had been portrayed to me. Not even because I'm thinking, oh, why? Because I mean, I do know that this is something that happens in a realistic world, right? People take off their hijabs and so on and so on. But because of the character that Isma had been up until that point, well, up until that night anyway, when she was dreaming and before she messaged him, it just, it didn't add up See, my reading of Isma was of a girl, because considering she's going to do a PhD, I would say she's in mm-hmm. her mid-20s, let's say, or early 20s. No, she's in her late is, 20s. She was 20, 20 okay, or something. Okay, perfect. Late 20s. When I read Isma, I read her mm-hmm. as a sheltered character. In terms of, or at least just from my experience, I know people who... I didn't read her at all as very principled Muslim. I read her as someone who was born into Islam, who, yes, believed in mm-hmm. God and had, and had principles to some extent. But I feel like we see this when it, comes, when it comes to interaction with men, especially with women who are sheltered, right? That all of a sudden, mm-hmm. something can happen where now their faith now becomes something they can discard a little bit and I feel like Mm -hmm. the character of her mentor slash teacher was really pivotal because if it wasn't for her advice I don't think she would have taken it off which is like for me it wasn't out of character when she took it off I was like okay girl Mm. I think maybe the other reason why I was also kind of irritated is the fact that I guess the irritation grew stronger when I realized it wasn't even I mean it's never worth it anyway but Uh, it was I think my irritation grew so much stronger when I realized as I read a couple of pages in, that it wasn't even worth it. He wasn't worth But that's the point. I feel like that's the point. <laughs> that's that's literally the point. He wasn't worth to it. That it wasn't worth it. I think where I agree with you, where I agree with you is it's not possible to read those scenes and not feel discomfort. Where I disagree is, I think there's a distinction between Muslim, I, I think there's a distinction between Muslim writers who write about Muslims and Muslim writers who write about Islamic characters, right? Like if I was reading that kind of novel in a Naima B. Robert book, then I would be oh like, God. something's amiss. No, I, I seriously, I get what you mean. And I, I also try very much to be open-minded, but it's not just Muslim characters. I'm not joking. Even when I read this and the character has a religious belief, right? I just feel yeah. that discomfort regardless. And of course that affects the way I read the book. Doesn't mean I would say, oh, don't read the book. I recommended Home Fire to people because I think it talks about important things. But it's still a book that made me feel some type of way. Yeah, that's interesting because when as you were asking me that, that, I just felt like when we read some authors, like let's say Chihamanda, she's writing about, to some extent, Christian characters, but we don't come to it with the same expectations. 
I feel as we do when it's about Muslim characters. I don't know, you know, because I would say even when I read Purple Hibiscus, there was some, I mean, actually Purple Hibiscus was good, but the, in the portrayal of religion, I still came up, I still came with it like that because there were things that obviously the character did and I'd be like, no, this is not Christianity. I mean, I'm not Christian, but I knew like obviously Christianity didn't preach these things. So it's not expecting yeah. as in, oh, I wasn't, like for example, with Home Fire, I'm not saying, oh, Camilla Shamsa should have written pure, much better Muslim characters, whatever, because I know that being a Muslim, it's, a, it's an entirely diverse thing, right? And there's so many different ways well, that people are Muslim. It's just that there were scenes there that didn't sit well with me. Yeah, I can respect that. I just feel like fiction, when I think about fiction, a lot of what I associate with is like not limiting imagination. And it's weird because I feel like I sit on two sides. I sit on two sides because on one hand, I'm playing devil's advocate here. But on the other end, when I think of myself as a writer, there are definitely certain things that I wouldn't write about mm-hmm. or that I give careful thought to. Like, I love writing fantasy. I don't particularly feel comfortable writing about magic because I know mm-hmm. that association. But on the other end, I just find that, like, yeah, on the other end, I find myself thinking fiction is supposed to be about, as long as it serves the story, I don't want mm-hmm. certain things to be constrained mm-hmm. because of our perception. So, yeah, it's a weird thing. But anyway, of course, I thought about that and I said... So I thought about that and I said to myself, you know what? People are gonna write what they want to write, right? And it doesn't matter. If I read Hmm. the if I read a book and I enjoy a story, even if it makes me uncomfortable, I will highlight the things that made me uncomfortable, the personal things, whatever. I just need to make sure I'm aware of these things when I write my own stories. And I know that because again, as you said, it's just because of the principles I have, what I hold there to my life. Like, yes, I know fiction is supposed to be for experimenting and just writing and all of that stuff. But the thing about writing is that writing can also be dangerous, right? And so, and also when you think about, when I think about Islam and accountability and how these things stay in forever, I think about that a lot when I write um, and the kind of things I want personally to stay forever. And I guess also one thing that plays a big role is just intentions. I mean, just because she writes the book doesn't mean that she's promoting specific things yeah um, or whatever, right? So it's, it's just, it's, if that's the best way that she believes she could have captured the story, then why not? Right. That's a good point about intention. I um, agree with so that. it's just between her and her maker, and she knows what she was trying to achieve. And if she feels like that's the best way she could have done it, then there's no one to question the way that she's done it because you don't know what's in her heart. Yeah, yeah. those cool. are my thoughts. I've Let's, been thinking about it a lot. Brilliant. Let's get into the second conversation, <laughs> which is on the subject of radicalization and terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I especially wanted to ground it in capital. So let me let me provide a context to this. When I first read this book, yeah. it was last year, and we weren't we weren't recording book stations at the time. But when I first read it, I thought to myself, "Oh my God, there's no way." Because when I was reading this book, I thought about Shamima Begum, and I was like, "Oh, there's no way I can discuss this on book stations because it's very easy for you to have this kind of discussion and get pigeonholed very quickly." But mm-hmm. I feel like, as God would have it, now there's a there's a good context for for us to talk about the subject of radicalization because a couple of months. A couple of months prior, we had um, Capitol Hill happen in America. So let me oh, start God. with Shamima Begum because here is here's my grievance. Here's my grievance about how this whole scenario went down. When the subject of should Shamima Begum be allowed to come back to the UK started, and I know different people have their um, their different opinions on this issue. In my mind, I was like, two things can happen at the same time. We can acknowledge that she should face repercussions for her actions. And at the okay. same time, acknowledge that this girl was a teenager when she went to Syria. 
we can acknowledge that there is a process of radicalization and grooming that happened before she left. She didn't just wake up mm-hmm. and said, I'm going go to go. People Syria. don't think about that. I feel like they, they fail to actually understand that nobody wakes up and say, oh, today I'm going to join ISIS. It doesn't work like that. Literally. So now that Capitol Hill has happened, and let me just remind and jog everyone's memory that these are full-blown adults. <laughs> Bro, can you see how old all of them are? Who, I'm sorry, every time we refer to Capitol Hill, we need to be calling it a terrorist incident because five people died because of, because of people's actions on that day. And so now, now that I'm hearing, oh my God, they were radicalized. It was QAnon that radicalized them. And this but they idea make of mercy. my God. I've had so many excuses for these adults. I've had so many excuses. But you need to understand so I'm like, this, where was this? Where was this for a teenager that was groomed? And I feel like, oh, hold on. I feel like what um, Camilla Shamsi was able to do really well in this book is show us that terrorism is less about religion and more about like power and perceived sense of injustice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the way that the reason why Parvez ended up in Syria was because they preyed on him. There was a deliberate process mm-hmm. <laughs> of grooming him to the it didn't point. Happen one night. Exactly, and we're not acknowledging that teenagers, when they're at that age, they're so easily manipulated. I'm Look sure at these adults that were groomed. Thank you. Imagine teenagers so easily manipulated. <laughs> But everyone was like, oh, no, she shouldn't be able to come back. No, let her come back and face the consequences as any other citizen would. So what and one thing I really liked about this book. Yeah, go on. Because you keep saying that, oh, they're making excuses for these people. They are white. We I know, are not and that's my point. White. <laughs> <laughs> we are then, number that's two, Muslims. Bro, <laughs> when you're thinking about the bottom of the rung or the ladder, <laughs> that's where we are, unfortunately. Oh, oh my god no um, but the reason um the other re- no my earlier point was also about our fear of being able to speak about these issues right because if 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 capitol hill wasn't the context i feel like if i was speaking about mm-hmm. it someone could have easily listened to this and be like oh she's a terrorist sympathizer uh, but because uh, of capitol hill right i can now show you that your fellow people are doing the very same thing that you're accusing this girl of <laughs> obviously the level of severity is very different but it's just we need more nuance in our conversation and it frustrates me mm-hmm. that that nuance isn't there and so um when we were talking earlier about karamat loan being a home secretary who's muslim who who has this conflict about how does he approach another like this muslim family anika's family and parvez going to syria and how does he in terms of because essentially he's in charge of the policy right of whether mm-hmm. his body gets to come back home we saw it happened in real life as well and so it, it's how like fiction kind of predicts what happens in real life i'm just really no, you know, it reminded with british me politics of, reminded me a lot of chinua chebe because remember that book he wrote that he was that he had to it was arrested for do you remember oh i can't remember what book he was arrested for i know he was arrested for a book i think he was one um, of the people because oh. it literally predicted the clip that happened just after he had written the book. And so yes. they thought it was in. Yes, um, I remember. And when I was reading Home Fire, I was like, oh my God, this gives me the vibes of like how she's written the story. And it literally almost mirrors something that happens because Parvez has a similar situation where they're like, oh, he can't come back to the country. Another part of the book that made me sick the most were like the interviews, you know, when Anika's reading through or watching his interviews and you get to read the captions of what Karen Malone is saying. And, yeah. and, like, and he basically dehumanizes them because the way he, he talks about her to his son, like 
I'm just like, oh, that was so disgusting. It was, it was so absolutely disgusting. disgusting. Yeah, but I think in general, this book is just really good in terms of understanding. Like, it's for anyone, the concept mm. of being involved in that kind of war is abhorrent. It's not something that we condone. It's not something that Islam, mm. Islam doesn't condone violence. Islam mm. doesn't condone terrorism. But I think this book does a good job of showing that, again, for a lot of these people, religion is a mainstream end. In the same way mm. that for a lot of people that ended up in Capitol Hill, it was their perceived sense of injustice that, you know, mm-hmm. the person that should that should have been elected wasn't perceived elected. Sense of injustice. Ex- yeah, Karen. I'm gonna use perceived because really it is mm-hmm. what sense of injustice is what's the injustice. Yeah, that's why I'm saying perceived injustice. <laughs> but anyways. Karen. But you know what I mean? So now so now, hold up. Here's another thing. So now you're not giving platforms to people who are like, oh, I was radicalized by QAnon. Stop giving them time. I'm sorry, you're an adult. Any final thoughts on the book? Uh, I would recommend it for sure. I mean, even though I had my beef, I feel like my beef with the book was very personal and just more, oh, I wish this was there and this wasn't. Not, I would recommend it if not for character development, but because of the story that she tells and the important conversations that she starts with this book. So I think it's really worth reading, to be honest. I really would like more people to read Parve's perspective because it's just, yeah. it just shows you how easy it is, especially because teenagers are always looking for something to hold on to. And remember, he didn't have uni or like a, a planned future. So it was kind of roaming. And remember, it was in that state where you're roaming, you're struggling to find where you belong. Mm. It's very easy to just be called to belong to something unfortunately so yeah. yeah so definitely pick up the book and read it and we'd love to we'd love to hear your thoughts after you've read it so let's go into our favorite quote it's strange because it, I didn't have a lot I mean there were some quotes that I highlighted as I was reading but there was only one that stood out stood out to me so mine is habits of secrecy are damaging things and they uh, underestimate other people's willingness to accept the complicated truths of our lives. What's yours? Um, to be honest, I would say the same as you, because I went through all of my highlighted notes and I couldn't find anything. I was like, oh, I really want to say this. Mm. But I think the one I just stood out the most was this one. Grief was the step-sibling they'd grown up with, unwanted and inevitable grief, the amniotic fluid of their lives. And I think perhaps it stood out to me because I... I read a lot about grief in general and I've been speaking to people a lot about grief in this recent weeks and just the different ways in which it manifests and how it hits people differently. And even if you dealt with, dealt with someone's death maybe a year before, someone else's death could hit you in a different way. And yeah. just all those wild emotions, I guess, that come grief. Mm, um, that's a good yeah. one. That's a good one. What's the latest book that you're reading? So I still haven't finished that book by James Baldwin. Just above my head, it's quite long. It's about five hundred and thirty pages or something. Wow. Yeah, but I'm halfway done. It's also because I read a couple of books at the same time, so I'm halfway done with that. But I'm also I just started Contemplation and Islamic Psycho Spiritual Study by Malik Badri. Who just passed away in so sad subhanallah we were at a class where what's his name imam mikhail smith was talking about his book and then i think a day later he passed away the next day like yeah allah i just feel like recently loads of scholars or people that have really contributed to islam are just passing away like every time i log on to facebook um it's scary like allah's anthem jannah but yeah i'm reading that and i'm also i started reading again soul of a butterfly 
my god I, I was um I put I'm Ali on uh, the Netflix list and I was just downstairs the other day my parents were watching it I was just like this man his essence was so beautiful his character was so beautiful just a shining light mashallah I can't wait to read for Love About Us again I love the way he talks about purpose because I've had some interesting conversations with people where sometimes it's gone well sometimes it hasn't gone well and it's about like my decision to like write Um, and Mm. it was just nice reading that and just reading about like values and how important it is to stick to something and so on so it was a really comforting read i would say that's the word i would use yeah i can't wait for us to talk about it same same, same. i'm gonna order a paperback i'm not gonna buy it on kindle i'm gonna order a paperback so i can have it on my shelf i want both i think it's okay um i am currently reading our next book i actually i do not i feel like if not for book locations my reading this year would have been on the floor so I'm reading The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, it's given me loads of thought about like areas in my life where I need to um slow down more. I feel like generally I started of the year on a slow down pace. But the mm-hmm. more I read it, it's just given me further food for thoughts, particularly on how distraction and disconnection and like our busy mm-hmm. life, our busy life stops us from having a really fulfilled and enriching yeah. life. So I'm looking forward to that conversation yeah because i've been trying to implement some of the things i've read i think that would be a nice chat as well yeah cool so that's the end of today's show thank you for joining us on this episode of book stations we hope you've gained benefit from the discussion if you've enjoyed the episode remember to like review comment and most importantly share it with others Book Conversations is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and several other platforms. Email us your thoughts at bookforsationspod at gmail.com. And I mean it. I miss those emails, man. Like, keep it coming and let us know what books you want us to check out. Till next time. Remember to, remember read. to read.